Hello, and welcome back to our latest installment of Eye for an Eye. We are your hosts, Julia, Lisa, and Matt, and we are here to determine whether the punishment, or lack thereof, fits the crime. Due to the graphic nature of some of the topics we will be touching on, listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, everybody. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Oh, we yeah. probably hear yes. this way afterwards, <laughs> but still. Welcome back. In recording times, it was recently Thanksgiving. Yeah, how was your guys' Thanksgiving? Probably Christmas and, uh, and New <laughs> Year's. So we hope you guys had all good. Holiday. All of that. Yes. All of them. And Hanukkah is Hanukkah, yes. Kwanzaa. Festival of Light, Diwali, whatever you're celebrating, man. Enjoy it. Just celebrate. Good. Life. Um, But yeah, we're back with another Eye for an Eye case here today. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a super interesting case. And we're going to just jump right into it. We don't need to do all the pleasantries. You guys know the deal. Y'all know what's up. Um, So, Jules? Yep. So, I'm going to set the scene for us. And this is an interesting case because it is local and we have a personal connection, which we'll get to later. Oh, yeah. From November 1967 to May 1977, so it's a 10-year span, residents of Allegheny and Washington counties in western Pennsylvania were rocked as a series of violent rapes and murders swept across the area. These vicious crimes targeting young women prompted people to lock doors they once left open. Gun sales soared and self-defense classes were organized. Women left their homes with escorts and informed family when they arrived safely at their destinations, which these are like normal things now, but at the time, especially in this area that was not the case especially that it was like a coordinated effort too where everybody knew about this and for such a long period of time and i definitely know people still who are kind of oh for sure (laughs) yeah oh yeah so like i said there was a crime free in the area and ted bundy was even named as a likely suspect at the time they were never able to connect him but i just think that's cool for lack of a better term like ted bundy's such a big name and like in you know western pennsylvania he was said to be linked to some of these crimes shows the kind of reign of terror that he had too i mean he was all right and the reign of terror that people were living in at that time so true and so police remain to this day unsure if all of these crimes were committed by one person or several and likely a male that's something that is noted So some of the victims include Susan Rush, who was 21, Mary Irene Gensi, who was 16, Brenda Ritter, who was 18, and Debbie Capiola, who was 17, possibly four others. As I was doing research into this particular crime that we'll talk about, because we're going to, you know, kind of zoom in here, there's a lot of unsolved crime in Pittsburgh, especially around this time. And you know we talk, we're talking about such a big range. So when I cut, when I looked at multiple sources, the the list of victims varied across multiple sources. Today we're going to talk specifically about Debbie, and that's because her case is solved. And like I mentioned at the top of the episode, we do have a personal connection. So we'll get to that. Around 7.45 a.m. on March 22, 1977, 17-year-old Debbie left her house to catch the bus to school, which was a five-minute walk from her house. So I'm guessing 17, she's probably like a senior, walking to catch the bus to school, nothing major, nothing out of the ordinary. Debbie's brother, who usually made the walk with her, was sick that day. About eight minutes later, when the bus arrived, there was no sign of Debbie. When Debbie's mother, Kathleen, left the house shortly after 8 o'clock, so roughly 15 minutes later, she saw Debbie's school books lying on the ground. 
she thought, you know, maybe Debbie dropped them in her rush to the bus. I mean, who, I've been there. My bus stop was down at the end of the street, and oftentimes my sister and I booked it to get to the bus on time. So the, the school book's lying on the ground. At this point, Kathleen, Debbie's mother, thinking nothing of it. She grabs the books, and she's thinking that she'll drop them off at school for Debbie. So when Kathleen gets to the school, the secretary calls for Debbie to come to the office, but Debbie did not show. It was then at that point Kathleen knew something was wrong. She knew her son was at home sick. She knew that Debbie left to go to, the, to school, and now Debbie's not here at school. She immediately contacted the police, and the search for Debbie began. Several witnesses testified that a maroon Oldsmobile Cutlass had been cruising near the bus stop that morning. So we'll come back to that a little bit later. Debbie was being watched. When her stalker noticed that Debbie was alone that day, he took his opportunity to strike. So creepy. That's legit my biggest fear of stalkers. Like having someone watching you, you have no idea. Right. And especially like I am such a creature of habit that you could very easily stalk me. Like I don't do that. Don't get any ideas. (laughs) Don't get any ideas, but I like. I think about that. Right. If I leave my house, I'm going to like a handful of places. Like I don't often stray. It's scary. But so anyway, (laughs) this was all March 22nd. On March 25th, Debbie's purse and shoes were found near Blue Lake in Washington County, Pennsylvania. Do you guys know where that is? No. Yeah, me I mean, I know where Washington County is, but I don't yeah. know that town specifically. Yeah. It actually is a lake. I, I don't know if the town is also called Blue Lake, but the lake, there is a lake there. That was March 25th. On March 27th, only five days after she was reported missing, Debbie's body was discovered in a hillside near an abandoned strip mine about three miles from her home. She had been sexually assaulted and then strangled, this detail really got me, guys, with the leg of her own blue jeans. Like, no. Yeah, that real that detail, like, really set me over the edge. An autopsy confirmed that Debbie's cause of death was ligature strangulation. There was no trauma to the victim's vagina, cervix, or rectum, but an oral swab that they did later tested positive for sperm. From 1977 to 1999, this case was investigated by many members of Pennsylvania State Police, but no suspect was charged. You guys, that's 22 years. 22 years. 22. I did the math It really makes me wonder, like, I mean, there's obviously a ton of crimes like this that, like, just have never been solved. But, like, I wonder if, like... If you've committed a crime 22 years ago, if you think you're in the clear, and then all of a sudden, like, well, I think you do at a certain point. And so, nope. In my opinion, and I don't know exactly all the ins and outs, but it seemed that this case was pretty cut and dry. Found sperm, they had murder weapon, like, they had everything kind of all there but for 22 years no one was charged for the murder which is like a whole other thing like you said least like as the perpetrator of the crime you have to think you're in the clear and as like the family to that victim you have to think like there's no way this is getting solved it's just trauma and grief that i can't even imagine truly So 1999, state trooper Rebecca Loving reviewed the case and wondered if the sperm that was found could be tested for DNA. So that's a whole other element to this case. At the time of the crime, DNA was not being studied and used as it is in crimes today. So I'd like to think that if they had that technology, then we wouldn't have such a big gap between the crime and the charge the sentencing all that sort of stuff in 1999 we finally are making progress there in may of 2000 trooper loving sent debbie's jeans and the oral swabs away for dna testing 
In November of 2000, police obtained blood samples of their suspect. So they did have a suspect at the time. We're about to jump into that, but they just didn't have enough to charge him with the DNA that was sent away. 23 years later at that point, they were able to make a match. And on December 14th of 2000, David R. Kennedy was identified as the perpetrator and charged with first degree murder. Crazy. You have to think you're getting away with it at that point. At that point, yeah, he was chilling. He was. Yeah. I was just gonna say he wasn't even worried about. No, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Probably. Can you imagine though? Like, no, like thinking you're like the shit, and then all of a sudden it's like right. Bitch. Well, so we'll get into that when we talk about our the connection here. But yeah, living his life. Like I said, David Kennedy was on the police's radar at the time of Debbie's murder, but they had nothing more than circumstantial evidence. They didn't have the DNA technology. They couldn't match him without reasonable doubt. So some of the circumstantial evidence was Kennedy's car. So remember I had talked about that maroon Oldsmobile? Guess who drove a maroon Oldsmobile, whatever. Yeah, a maroon. That's such like, I can kind of picture that without even knowing what an Oldsmobile cutlass looks like. I can like picture that in my head. And you guys, even his license plate matched partial plates that were given by witnesses at the time. So like, you know, it wasn't 100% match, but it was enough in my mind that like, you know, why couldn't we charge him? Why couldn't we dig into this further? Obviously, Kennedy denied any sort of involvement with the murder at the time of his car being put out at the scene, even with the plates. Kennedy, who was a laborer at a builder supply store, showed up to work 27 minutes late on March 22nd. Very specific. Very specific Very because uh, we'll get into that in a second. So a friend and former coworker stated that it was unusual for Kennedy to be late. And so... Kennedy's attorney, William Manifesto, I thought that name was so interesting, so I went to include the whole thing. Um, He argued that there was not enough time for Kennedy to abduct the girl, drive to the strip mine, strangle her, and then get back to work, seeing as it was only 27 minutes. Mr. Manifesto. Mr. Manifesto. Yeah, that's why I was like, that's such an interesting and unique name. Manifesto is quoted as saying, David Kennedy could not have committed this crime. The driving time alone discredits the Commonwealth's timeline. It would be impossible. He could be a really fast driver. Well, what I think about this is that he maybe didn't kill her at that time. Yeah. You know, he just put her somewhere, stowed her away, and then kind of dealt with it later. So jumping back for a second, we talked about Blue Lake, where Debbie's purse and her shoes were found. State game wardens said that they had spotted Kennedy's vehicle at the lake several times over the days after Debbie's disappearance. So, like, again, I don't know what he was looking for what exactly was how i don't know it's just more fishiness and then several days after the homicide a co-worker said that he saw kennedy removing the vinyl top from his car whether that means like replacing it to try to make his car less identifiable or you know maybe there was damage to it through the act of the crime i'm not exactly sure but i did think that was important to note Another side note, which just goes to the fishiness of Kennedy and the whole creep factor. When he found out that he was being investigated by state trooper Loving, so like in 99, 2000s, Loving said that he began stalking her. And during a meeting with Kennedy, he leaned toward her in a casual conversational voice and told her that he had been following her, naming places that she'd been recently and details of what she wore on certain days. Ooh, what the fuck? Yeah. It's like some Hannibal actor. Yeah. Right. 
So and that, he remembered that too, like ugh, right. So she believes that that he uh, he followed her at least on two different occasions. But like we said, that kind of go like he was following Debbie for long enough to know her pattern to know that she was usually with her brother at the bus stop. I wonder how often oh that happens. God. Where like so I'm, I think about this actually often, where people who are investigating crimes, like how often they physically right. get wrapped well, into. Well, so it. that's what I'm thinking. Like we have Debbie that was a victim of his stalking. We have the state trooper that became a victim of the stalking like those are only two people that we can point out you know number one how many other people could he have been stalking as well and like you said lisa how many times does this happen with members of law enforcement i want to circle back to the other victims that i mentioned at the top of the show because like i said there were many people named in this whole crime spree but there's something interesting at least in my opinion about the victims that i named so i'm going to give you some more information and then i'll hear your thoughts susan rush was strangled by a shoestring or a piece of leather it was hard for them to say and she was also raped brenda ritter was strangled by her own underwear mary irene gensey died of skull fractures inflicted by a heavy object and she was also raped so are we noticing a theme here? So we have Debbie, who was sexually assaulted and strangled. Susan, who was strangled and raped. Brenda, who was strangled. And Mary, who did not die of strangulation, but was also raped. So that's kind of why, like, this originally, when I started to, to pull some articles to do some research, because of the death and the profile of the victims, the, these crimes were said to be committed by someone called the Washington Strangler. Washington meaning Washington County in Pennsylvania. What do you guys think about that? Isn't that so creepy? I mean, it is said that they have themes, like serial killers. Right, themes of like, themes of murder, profiles of victims. Like, it's all kind modus, of creepy. Modus operandi is the term. Like, right. What's your MO? Like, that's what they're saying. Like, what do they follow? What pattern? Right. And, and to it. me, like... like these four, like including Debbie, these four victims that I've highlighted is enough of a theme that it's beyond coincidence. It fits the bill. Yeah. Definitely. And like I said, if you like, you can really do a deep dive into this. A lot of the cases are still unsolved. So that's why it's so hard to really connect them and to say, you know, these are all Kennedy's work. I did think it was important to note because of the similarities between the cause of death, the sexual assault, and the victim profiling. If investigators refuse to say if Kennedy is still considered a suspect in any of the other crimes that were committed. Hazel Ritter, who was the mother of victim Brenda, is quoted as saying, I do believe the three, meaning Debbie, Brenda, and Susan Rush, she believes the three murders were connected. I'm thinking it was three guys who killed three girls and they were working together. So this was in an article, but Hazel did not elaborate any further on her theory. That's interesting. But she seems to think that there is a connection. Well, it's interesting that she thinks there's a connection, but that she still thinks it's three different people working in you. Yeah, like, that's, that's creepy right. too. It's right. Like, I don't worse. know what makes yeah. her think that there's three people involved. Creeps Based on the timeline, like that we had mentioned above, it could be possible that there was someone else that you that know. Means they're still out there, right? Ooh, do you guys ever think about like how many people you've passed that have probably either killed a bunch of people or killed at least one I person? I try not to think about it, but <laughs> so, yeah, it's yes. probably a lot. Like it's- I mean, I've definitely been in the room with people. I know for a fact I've killed people, so I'm like... Excuse me? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. How are you just going to slip that one into casual conversation? I know people. Why did you say, yeah, like casually? Yeah. Like as if there's like, oh yeah, everybody, yeah, you know. I'm not going to for 
fear of incriminating myself saying yourself hey, are you involved are you one of these three i'm not going to burn. incriminate oh my goodness myself, all right Lisa, anyway no, this names, is getting into a strange I've direction been in a room with somebody who yes has killed someone before it ain't us guess not <laughs> so anyway like i said there's a lot of theories and deep dives that you can really go into susan Debbie, Mary, and Brenda were only some of the victims' names that I saw in my research. There are a lot others. The real reason we chose to focus on David Kennedy and therefore talk about Debbie and the unfortunate timing of her death and all that that sort of stuff was because <laughs> close friend of the podcast <laughs> will be on the show. Who we will maybe get this to be on episode. the show. Where is he? Um, he and his family went camping with Kennedy and his then wife. And that was probably like late 90s. So probably what? before like all of this stuff started to unfold. So like going back to the timeline, everybody was digging around, hopefully still remembering the victims and things from 1977 to 1999. Wait, he went with them after he committed murder? Yes, the murder was in 77. That's what I'm yes, saying. Dude. Right. And so I think it was in my mind, the timing is right before his he like got charge they couldn't Ew. wait how did they know them were they so just like, it was family, like a family friend it was like lots of families lots of friends lots of parents and they we all should get his parents on the show sounds like a very twisted family reunion well right so it was like an annual camping trip <laughs> zach spent time with him without his parents there he said he was never alone with kennedy but oftentimes with him and his then wife and i asked zach to describe him and he said he was pretty outgoing outdoors he liked to camp hike do things in nature him and his then wife appeared to have a very healthy loving relationship they were always kind to us kids but then what i think was interesting like i said the timing of this is very very interesting because then one you know the the annual camping trip still happened Kennedy and his wife stopped showing up, <clears throat> and and Zach didn't know until like that that time I texted you guys like why they stopped showing up. Wait, he just recently found out. Yeah. What is happening? It's like this one knows seventeen murders. That Zach knows murder. Okay, if you've been in a room with someone who served in active duty, okay, you've that's been in different. a room with someone who killed somebody. If you've been in you a room with somebody murder. who's from a certain place that you might know has violent crime and you know that they participated in violent crimes <laughs> what? you've probably been in a room with somebody I feel like you're talking somebody. in circles here, yeah I'm, I'm not gonna count. say names but I'm, I don't want you to say names but I think I'm ready for killing you. in the act of, of like military Take combat is different than killing like yeah you know. I mean it's definitely like I mean, killing and, and there could be a debate it, about it, that it is killing but well, I don't consider that the same as a serial killer Right, and it's not a well, crime you're hold up hold up killing killing somebody's not the same as a serial killer either I mean Again, I'm not going to say names, but but so I know somebody right. who killed his mother's ex-boyfriend who killed his mother. Does that make him? It's like, like Dave Navarro. Oh, uh, except I think Dave Navarro did not was involved. <laughs> yeah, his mom killed their abusive ex-husband. I don't think I think Dave was little when that happened. But anyways, I digress. Okay, but yes, like. I know people who have killed somebody. Is that like a weird thing to say? I guess we're going to ask our listeners. Is yes. that a weird thing? Do you guys all know people who have killed people? I if so, let's have them on the show. Common thing. I, I think it's more common than you realize. Well, let's hear I it because I want to know all these stories. I think it's uncommon 
knowledge, but it's probably more often than you think. And, and it also depends on who you're talking to. I mean, there are some people who would Matt's be like, like really wide eyed talking about this too. I know, know you're like in like a like a. <laughs> He's like. Um, <laughs> you're like hyped, but like also creepy. I don't I'm, know. Okay, <laughs> yeah. sorry. I'm not trying to be. Um, <laughs> but I'm just thinking about it from the context of like. Wait, what did they call Tyler Hadley corpse like? Yeah. Gauntly. No, uh, cadaver like. Cadaver like. Yeah. Like, uh. Go listen to that episode, Tyler Hadley. Yeah, Shout seriously. Out. Yeah, that's crazy. That's, that's the look on my face right now. Cadaver. Um, yeah, wow. So, anyway, we want to know if you know murderers and tell us all about it. Back into sentencing on November 5th, 2001, David Kennedy was sentenced to life in prison without parole. He was 50 at the time of his sentence. Prosecutors cannot seek the death penalty because it didn't exist in Pennsylvania at the time of the murder. Which is interesting. So I have some questions. This one, it was kind of hard to come up with questions and we kind of discussed a few of them throughout. Do we think that the punishment here fits the crime? David Kennedy at least killed one person and is sentenced to life in prison without parole. Do I think the punishment fits the crime for killing one person? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, now he still you know killed a somebody. Family of murders, I he think still killed somebody. Like. Right. That's what I'm saying. He can only be Matt's murder attributed to the to the you know one crime at this time. So we're gonna make a T-shirt that says Matt's murder homies. I mean, again, I'm not trying to like throw any of my friends under the bus here, but yeah, I I know people who have done some shit that they wouldn't talk about. Like, what what can I say? Like. You, you do enough stuff, you meet enough people, you meet some shady people. It is what it is. Not everybody's shady. Like, I told you guys, the one guy, like, I'd have done that shit, too. Like... I think I can confidently say, like, I'm not friends with anyone that's committed a murder that I know of. Yeah. Well, there you go. But that wouldn't deter me from being someone's friend. Let me just put that caveat in there. It made me a little... Except for that one that you brought up, the, like, self-defense or protecting your... Yeah, I mean, but go on. to one person that we know has died, do you think? I, I think just... honestly, like, it seems to me like he committed multiple murders, though, and that's why I'm like, yeah, the punishment absolutely fits the crime. That's the only reason I'm hesitant because it's like, but if it was for one crime, one... yeah, I mean, still, life well, without what if, it's, what if it's two people? What should the punishment then? Like, where does the number change DNA, the punishment? DNA matches him to one guaranteed murder, right? Like, he yeah. did it, right? right? Okay, Debbie so yes. is for sure life without parole, yeah, fits. Right, and so that's where I think we only can operate on the facts that we have. Lisa, what do you think? Because I have a follow-up question to this. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm okay with that. I think it's interesting because some people get less time, but I do think that's you kill someone by say goodbye to I think freedom. this is truly like Especially if you're getting away with it so long Right, ago. so that's another question I have later on. So my follow-up to that is do we think that the death penalty should be able to be on the table because... It, so the argument is that they can't seek the death penalty because it didn't exist at the time of the crime. Do we Does think it that's exist bullshit? Now? I don't know what the laws in, uh, for the death penalty are in Pennsylvania. I believe there is death penalty in Pennsylvania. Capital punishment is legal in Pennsylvania. I think I think we talked about this in another episode because I do not remember which one. I think in these kind of cases when like a family member is murdered... I think the family should have a larger say on what the specific sentence is just because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like people deal with 
things differently and I feel like if your loved one was killed you'd want the final say well so there's a lot I already talked about the amount of grief that Debbie's family dealt with but her brother specifically who wasn't with her that day when he walked then when they were walking to the bus I know like he's quoted in one of the articles being like finally you know like I said after 22 years you have to almost give up at a certain point and just assume it won't be solved at least they had her body and they were able to grieve like that brings up one of my other questions what do we think about the time that Kennedy was out free living his life camping with (laughs) Sack and his family you know like what what do you do in that sort of circumstance should that impact his sentencing is it almost better prison but he has 23 hours of solitary confinement like we've talked about another circumstances like how do you think that should impact his sentencing i don't know i just think that's such a large amount of time that he like we i don't know per se that he didn't have a wife at the time but he got married he had a wife at the time he was sentenced so like they never had any kids as far as i'm aware and we don't know if he was still committing crimes right for me personally i think Yes, but yes in that, like, yes, I think that should be taken into consideration. But I think, I would think that more if they gave him, like, a slap on the wrist type of punishment, right? So, like, if they gave him, like, 20 years, I think if that was the first sentence, you should then consider add on time yeah. that he was Because free. don't you get paid if you are wrongfully sitting in jail? Yeah. They, like, pay you for the time that you spent or something like that. It, yeah, so, like, in most cases, work, yeah. You know, Backwards. on the reverse end. Although I do agree. I mean, like, I think that would be a pretty, like decent way to do it is like you're in yeah. solitary for at least like the first year just like really just mess with you like you yeah. thought you were free bye yeah i like that idea actually yeah. psychological i think that could be worse honestly yeah. but what do you think matt i mean it goes back to me for and again i hate to say it, it's like not a numbers game but is there evidence to support the fact that he killed multiple people if so I mean, I've always been a proponent of the death penalty. I'm the type of person where I'm like, yes, there are mistakes that are made. There are DNA evidences that are, you know, resurface after years. And there's exonerations that happen after, you know, decades. But to me, it's like there are there are definitely cases where you can be like, come on, we we know who did it. So you said that before, but where do you start the death penalty? Meaning like, okay, so right now we only know that he for sure is guilty of one crime, but would it be two that would make you yeah, more, that, or is it like three? Or that's kind five? of my. I don't really know, at least Like I don't have a number. Like in for mind. me, my brain goes to death penalty if like torture was involved. Yeah, if kids were involved. It's a case by case yeah. basis is how I look at it. It's too. Like, like the like, more extreme, the more extreme my feelings right. are about what should happen. Not that this was. Or an if there was like a felony, like a felony murder on top yeah. of it. You know, like kidnapping was involved, or you know, rape was involved, or something that really is like exacerbates it even further but i also think it would just be a big fuck you to this guy who thought he was free forever and then like haha nope well that's the thing like i i have to yeah, think at think? a certain point at a certain point you have to stop like feeling that fear every day right you know being caught and like i i don't know so i think in terms of like the years he was out free and what's creepier is his family is her family is probably around him and didn't know like that's the part that freaks right. me out. Well, we I don't even know. There, like honestly, I, I this was a very short case because there weren't a, a lot, lot of, of resources. Yeah. Like you know, I think. Um, but I like the Tribune kind because like not many people will know. Right, and so if you have more information, I'd love we'd love to hear it. Did like, you go on camping trips? Yeah, yeah. this is a local case. So if you're local, hit us up. Yeah, we'd like to hear. Yeah, 
Maybe that was his thing. Because I don't know how he, he, you know, how he zoned in on Debbie. I don't know if any of these other victims, you know, Susan, Brenda, and Mary that we discussed, like, did their family ever notice him around? Did they see his Oldsmobile? Like, I think in in terms of what, like I said, what I was able to find, I think the only thing that can really link him to the other victims is the cause of death and the profile of the victims. However, young women are often the victims of crimes. So I don't think that's necessarily a unique profile. Yeah. Um, And then unfortunately as well, a lot of women are strangled and sexually assaulted. So that doesn't necessarily make him very unique either. Mm -hmm. And like I said, that sucks. That's very unfortunate. So I think unless, like, I, I don't think there's any way to charge him for those, but I think ultimately he will never see the light of day again. I just wish there was a way to make him pay and not financially, monetarily pay, but like pay for his time that he was free. I wish that like once you're convicted of one crime, if they suspect you of others, that they could give you some sort of like truth serum or lie detector test. I hate that people could take such a crime to their grave. Right, and and that's something I mentioned earlier. The investigators didn't deny that he was involved. They refused to say if he was involved with it. So maybe they're still investigating. They just don't have enough evidence. Right, and maybe they now that they're in there, they're like, okay, you know, now we got him. Right, or like, okay, you know, maybe they're just feeding him some bullshit. You know, we'll think about parole if you start talking. And then would that be a fair trade? What if he confesses, gives all the details to not only the the victims we talked about, but others? Like, would that make him eligible for parole? Probably not because he's confessing to more murder. But like like you're saying, Lisa, otherwise, like what incentive would he have to talk? Yep. I don't know. This case was very interesting for many reasons. So we'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Shout out to podcast close friend number one fan for um surviving his close Encounter. encounters <laughs> with kind. david kennedy i mean that is so crazy we'll get you me. on the show one day listener listener <laughs> i mean we've we've had uh some pretty crazy experiences of people who've had run-ins with serial killers well y'all let us know because apparently it's pretty common to begin friendship circles with murderers and we yeah. love to hear and all about it and maybe you can come on the show yeah honestly if you, you have personal connections, have cases that just interest you, and you want to talk with us about them, we can co, you know, co-rate it, uh, an episode. You can handle it yourself. We trust you, even though um, we don't know you. Are you friends with a murderer? <laughs> Call Lisa's us at one eight hundred. I'm a murderer. Lisa's mad. All her friends are goody two shoes. <laughs> Apparently not Matt. Yeah, not all. I know no murderers. <laughs> you heard it here first. I know several. <laughs> Alrighty, thank you everybody. Rate, review, subscribe, do the thing, tell your friends, tell your fam. Contact us. We want to hear from you. Let us know what's good, what's bad, what's indifferent, if you know any murderers, and if you want to be on the show to talk about said murderers. Yeah, we're here do for it. it. Or even victims. We we're we wanna get the story out there. Let us know. We love y'all. I hope everybody has a Really fantastic night and stay safe and doesn't go camping with any questionable uh, souls. Honestly, we should all probably just avoid camping in general, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, yeah. I like camping. I, like I camping. just don't like camping with killers. Yeah, but how, you know. Although apparently you do. be an <laughs> inquiry yeah. before you go camping with anyone? Yeah, you sign an NDA or like a contract. Like, have you killed anyone? Check yes have or no. <laughs> yes, no, maybe so. All right, well, we love you all. Peace out, Girl Scout.